Happy Sabbath, everyone. It is always a pleasure to welcome our KKVV listeners and those who are watching us on our website, www.abundantlife.org, from the Abundant Life Seventh-day Adventist Church, located at 1720 North J Street, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89106. It's youth day today, and our main speaker will be Pastor Russell Lee Wars. Before he speaks to us, we will have a blessed selection from our youth choir. Then we'll hear from our youth pastor, Pastor Lee Wars. Hear ye him. Thank you. 
time you wonder when uh, the kids they have to go to college you wonder you know will the Lord provide other voices but then the answer reverberates all the time yes <laughs> you know you never know that was awesome I felt that they were singing from their hearts and that's how we should sing now I could have jumped up and Got into it, but you know, uh, <laughs> gotta have a little control sometimes, huh? Yes, 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 but that's all right. That's all right. You know, that's all right. God is good, amen. And I didn't just say that because it's something nice to say, God is good. We have seen how he has blessed Abundant Life Christian Academy. Uh, we enjoyed the ministry of our school children. We enjoyed the ministry of our youth choir and all of them who participated. God is good. There's a future for our church, amen? And there are more of our youth here that will do great things for God. Let us pray. Father, we have praised you uh, from our hearts sincerely. And it wasn't a show. 
Lord, as we open your word, Holy Spirit, hover over us. Wash us, O oh God, and make us receptive to your word. Transform us to look more, more like your son, Jesus. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Let the church say, Amen. I saw a sign recently on a strip mall. And on this uh, sign in the strip mall, above it said, Psychic Boutique. It went on to say, Dora, Dora, Dora is a gifted psychic with 20 years experience. 98% accurate, tarot readings, crystal readings. She has the personal touch, happiness, relationships, money, and love. And I thought to myself, I wonder what they are paying Dora to tell them these things. I thought again, what, what would you give in exchange or spend to pair into the future 10, 20, or 50 years down the road? Would you smile 10 years from now? You'll be 20 <laughs> or so. Would you smile at what you see? Or would you shake your head in despair of wasted chances and wasted opportunities, wasted years? In Bible times, psychics, psychics were scorned. And some even faced the possibility of death. Some were killed. But not all of them were killed. Nowadays, Today, men and women of faith are the ones that are scorned. They are the ones that are ridiculed. They are the ones that suffer persecution. For believing in something they can't see. Cold cases, unanswered questions. Unsolved mysteries. There are so many things we can't seem to wrap our minds around. Without the shadow of a doubt, our lives are littered with things we just can't understand. And life, I propose today, this moment, life would not be worth the living except for one simple fact. Jesus knows. Jesus knows. Turn your Bibles to John 18. John, the 18th chapter. John. John, you must have your Bible. Do you have your Bibles? Yeah. Awesome. I know you got it on your phone too. Yeah, your Bible on your phone. Yes, yes, got it on your Mac. Yeah, all right. 
All right. Anywhere you got it, take it out. Important thing is not to have it, but we need to be looking in it. Amen? Amen. Yes. The 18th chapter. I want to spend the next few moments with our youth. Now, the youth got rules. Keep it short. The 18th chapter. John. When Jesus, the Bible says, had spoken these words... He went out with his disciples over the brook Kidron, where there was a garden, a garden, which he and his disciples entered. And Judas, got to stay in the word, and Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place. For Jesus often met there with his disciples. Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Verse 4. My favorite. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? If you missed it a couple of times before, I want to talk to you about the subject, Jesus knows. The Bible says that after Jesus prayed, John chapter 17, over there, just before. Jesus prayed, after he prayed with his disciples, he went over to the garden. Now that should trigger something in your brain. Because when you read the word, you got to look deep in there. What is the Lord saying here? What is John trying to say? Garden. This verse is pregnant. It's a nice verse. Not only for preachers, but you read this thing right here. It's pregnant with the hope of our salvation. Garden. You see, we know what happened in the first garden. We know how things went down. <laughs> Jesus, or rather the first Adam, sold out in Eden. Gambled his salvation.
eyes. Now, how are you going to kill my hero? I guarantee it, if I knew what would have happened, I would not have sat there for an hour to wait to see the hero killed. Tears rolling down your eyes. The hero dies. Only to hear, and I'm upset, the bad guy gets away. How the bad guy gets away? So my solution is go online. Wikipedia will do. And research. Read the whole plot of the movie. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. So when I watch this movie, there are no surprises. I know exactly how it's going to end. I know how it's going to end, and I sit there and I say, mm-hmm, yeah. That's all right, hero. That's okay. We know how the story ends. I know how the story ends. It's not just the experience of the movie that's good. I'm interested in the end of the movie. Some folks say, well, the experience is good. Well, no. I want to see, now, I not only want to have the experience, I want to see how the story ends. I want to see my hero put his foot on the neck of his rival, the adversary, the oppressor. But every now and then it seems it seems you are running from the garden of despair to the hill of suffering. Like, you know, you have a flat tire. Then your battery goes dead, like it does without warning. Then around 9 p.m. or so, going home from church, you get a $500 move-in violation. All in one week. Now you would ask the question, why me? What do you do when every door appears closed and opportunity refuses to knock on your door? When your turn never comes, when worse turns to worse, fortune turns to misfortune, pain to depression, and your Gethsemane turns into Golgotha. Now before you answer, keep looking at the story. Let's look again at Gethsemane. And you can't help but feel helpless. We know how the story ends. There's no escape. No need to pray. He's going to die. Luke 22, 44 to 48 describes the pressure Jesus suffered that evening. Being in anguish, the Bible says, Luke 22, 44 to 48, being in anguish, his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane, he went there for one reason, to pray. Why are you sleeping? Jesus asked his disciples. Get up and pray. Prayer prepares the soul for suffering. Jesus understood what lie ahead and he knew, he knew that prayer was the only way to prepare them. 
But the first thing I, as I poured over this, the first thing I, I noted was that many people know what to do, but few people actually do what they know. Many people know what to do, but few actually do what they know. Several relationships, I tell you, would have been canceled if they knew infidelity, broken trust, and heartache were on the menu. That plane would have never lifted off the tarmac. The idea of love being blind would have been banned. And there are some who always find fault, complaining, whining, never having a word of support or encouragement. Stay away from folk like that. Always living in the glory of the old days of when so-and-so were here. Just a regular killjoy. Judas was like that, you know. Judas was like that. He had an alternative for everything. He found fault with the things Jesus said and did. Once in Bethany, he complained, no, he complained aloud of his displeasure to Jesus. This he said, not that he cared for the poor, the Bible says, but because he was a thief and had the money box and he used to take what was put in it. Be careful, be careful when you meet people who is always criticizing. You may not know it, but it may be that they are jealous of what you have or how God has been blessing you. Maybe they want to take something you have and use it to their benefit. Give it to me. I know how to do it. John 12, 3 to 6. Like many believers, Judas spent time with Jesus. The Bible says he knew the place. Don't miss this. Judas knew the place. Many people know where abundant life is located. But something always comes up. Never the right time to make it. But knowing the place where Jesus hangs out... Going there frequently and knowing him are as day and night. Judas was with Jesus for three years. Can you believe it? Judas is like an Adventist, he's in the church three solid years. He's like an elder because he's a part of the 12. Three years. He knows where the church is. In fact, John says, he knows where the meeting place is. And John, John doesn't want you to be confused. See, he doesn't want you to be confused. So in verse 2, he tells you, he also knew the place for Jesus, not sometimes, but often met there with his disciples. Knowing where Jesus hangs out, going there frequently, and knowing him 
are as day and night. Judas, my friends, had a form of godliness, but denied its power. We can't hide from God. Our motives, our schemes, our out-of-control appetite will find an outlet. Don't be, now, I learned this word from the youth, so I'm going to, don't be bagging on Judas. <laughs> don't be bagging on Judas, no. I would never do that. I, if I were with Jesus for three years, I would, I would be so wrapped up and tied up with love for Jesus. Hey, Jesus would be my main man. Are you sure? We can't act all self-righteous. For every now and then we allow someone or something to reign or sit on the proverbial throne of our lives. We declare our love for him with our fingers crossed behind her back. I love you, Lord. Then one day, like Judas, you wake up convinced in your mind that Jesus is not the Messiah. And like Judas, with the prophecies fulfilled before your eyes, you'll see how you misunderstood all along, but little too late. Too little, too late. All the remorse in the world could not undo the damage he had caused. Have you ever wished you could swallow what you said? <laughs> Just take it all back in. <laughs> or undo something that you did. Well, I'm learning that's a, that's a secret for married people. <laughs> in marriage, you tend to say some things at times, well, you wish you never say. And even if you're not married, you tend to say some things that you really don't mean. And with your tail between your legs, as it were, you ask for forgiveness. Amen? See, when Jesus says we need to pray, pray. So you will not fall into temptation. Now that's odd. Why would Jesus say pray that, that, that you will not fall into temptation? You would expect Jesus to say pray to endure the hardship to come. But hardship brings temptation. When things are tough and you're offered some overtime on the Sabbath, a little extra something if you stay late on Friday night. Hard times bring temptation. Temptation to compromise our principles. Temptation to pursue pleasure over adversity. Temptation to renounce our faith in God. In our community, without the toys, the gadgets, the apps, people still crave for good old-fashioned love and attention. I'm glad there's a God who knows me. How do I know that? 
Jeremiah 1. Jeremiah the first chapter 5 to 8. Jeremiah 1 says, Before I formed you, in the womb I knew you. Before you were born I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Then said I, Jeremiah responding, Oh Lord God, behold I, I cannot speak for I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, do not say, I am a youth, for you shall go to all to whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. You, we need to understand that Jesus knows what you are going through. Jesus knows what you need to do. Jesus is there when you ask him to. Jesus will carry you through. This brother Judas knew, he drew a blank. Maybe he was caught up in money management. But when it was time for the protégés to shine, they made like a banana and split are made like a tree and leave. Wealth, Solomon says, brings many friends, but a poor man's friend deserts him. When everything is going right, hey, bud! When things go south, not a phone call. <laughs> I thought you weren't in town. So the next thing I want to know today, young people, everyone, who do you run to when the threatening clouds of doubt and despair swirl about your life? Who do you run to? For Judas, a cheap length of rope and a tree was his escape. Peter ran to the security of his sword, and the rest of the disciples escaped in the night. When we mess up, walking around with a guilty conscience, that's not saving grace. Sorrow for sin is a start, but what we need, what we need is the Savior. Peter and the rest of the disciples denied that they knew Jesus. They left the scene of the betrayal, fearing for their lives. They did not pray, so they couldn't stay. If that's not bad enough, you know, Peter, just hours earlier, boldly asserted he would never deny his Lord. Not privately, you know. Jesus, I want to tell you something. Let me talk to you, man. Hey, I'm never going to leave you. No, no, I'm never going to leave you. But in front of all the disciples... Jesus, I'm your, I'll never leave you. I got you. These may leave you. They may leave you. But I will never leave you. Well, we know how that went. And I, I wondered, I wondered, I wonder if betrayal is a lesser evil than denial. If you had a choice, which would you choose? 
Betrayal or denial? When it's not convenient, we eliminate him from our lives. We deny Jesus unintentionally or willfully. Same denial. But John says later on that we have an advocate. We have a lawyer. No fees. Hold the fees with the Father. That if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. In Gethsemane, there was proud, sleeping Peter. In the courtyard, sitting by the fire, was petrified Peter. But 40 days later, standing a hundred yards from his denial of Jesus, was Pentecostal Peter. He was baptized in the fiery trial of life, and now the fire was in him, declaring that Jesus can turn your scar into a star. When you survey the stories of the Bible, at some time or another, there has been a Gethsemane for all God's people. Abraham, when he was asked to sacrifice his only son. Joseph, when he spent unjust years in jail. Stephen was mercilessly stoned to death. James was beheaded. Peter crucified. And Paul had many Gethsemanes in his experience. Were they deterred? Were they discouraged? Did they throw in the towel? Did they say, that's it? No more. I'm serving you. In fact, the disciples, disciples asked Jesus earlier in the story. He, they, said, they said, so Lord, you know we're following you and everything, but when is the paycheck coming? We have been going around with you all these times, all these, these years. No, so, so talk to us. No. You know, when are we going to be paid? What's my cut? Okay. James and John, let one of us sit on, you know, left side, sit right side. They didn't even have the courage to go ask Jesus. They sent their mother to do the job. All of us will have an experience, a Gethsemane or two. Will you throw in the towel? Will you say it's over? That's it. I'm not going up there, down there anymore. I'm just going to come to church and sit and let them do what they want. Jesus allowed his divinity to be exposed to a group of men, a detachment of troops. Jesus opened up the covering and allowed them to see what glory is like. And they couldn't take it. They couldn't handle it. And they fell back. Verse 6. See that? Verse 5. They answered him. They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. Verse 6. Then when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. No, notice that question there. That, that question had me thinking for a while. Because why, why would Jesus ask them? He knows all things. Why is he asking them, asking these troops? 
Why is he asking them, who are you seeking? In other words, who do you want? When Jesus knows all things. Didn't you see that right there? Verse 4, knowing all things that would come upon him. And then he asks them, whom are you seeking? That's kind of funny. Jesus is not asking friends because he's ignorant or unaware of his situation. This group, if you notice, symbolically represents those who will be slain by the brightness of his appearing. But it goes to show how far Jesus would stoop in spite of our incredulity, our skepticism, our spineless, faithless existence. Jesus wants to save somebody before his execution. The omniscient, all-wise God wants to save somebody, whatever the costs. Before his death, he had you and me on his mind. Now, some bright folks say, but look, you're saying Jesus knows all things. I don't think so. With everything happening around, you got to think about that. Two things Jesus doesn't know, and I see it in Scripture, Pastor. He does not know sin. And he does not know when the hour of the Father, the hour of the Father will come. <laughs> and I say, Amen. Amen. But I say, Praise the Lord. Praise God. Thank God Jesus did not know sin. He did not taste of sin. So his blood is efficacious, which means effectual. That's all it means. And his sacrifice vicarious, he took my place. That's all that means. Only Jesus could take my place, for he know no sin. Now, what about that part he doesn't know when the Father? Now, if we accept, if we accept that Jesus is all-powerful, stay with me, and that he can do all things, then Jesus has the power to choose not to know. Well, all right. Work on chewing that some more. Chewing that some more. But don't miss the message. Job 11, Job chapter 11, 7 says, Can you search out the deep things of God? Can you find out the limits of the Almighty? That's the word. I love the word. Do you love the word? They are higher than the heaven. What can you do? Deeper than hell. What can you know? Their measure is longer than the earth and broader than the sea. If iniquity were in your hand and you put it far away and would not let wickedness dwell in your tents. Wickedness in your tents. Wickedness in your tents. We live in houses now. So how, how does that fit into the scale of things? Wickedness in your tents. Well, we don't have tubes really anymore, right? But we have plasma, right? Plasma, anyone? Flat screen? Wickedness. What, what, watch, 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 watch what you got on the cable in, uh, at home there. Wickedness. Job says, let not wickedness dwell in your tents. Then surely 
You could lift up your face without spot. Yes, you could be steadfast and not fear because you would forget your misery and remember it as waters that have passed away. And your life, your life, would be brighter than noonday. Though you were dark, you would be like the morning and you would secure because there is hope. Yes, you would dig around you and take your rest in safety. You would also lie down and no one would make you afraid. Yes, many would court your favor, but the eyes of the wicked will fail and they shall not escape and their hope loss of life. If anybody can tell us anything about Jesus, knowing, all-knowing, is Job. Job can tell us a thing or two about God knowing what you're going through. And holding on to God in spite of what's going on. Follow Jesus. Tell your neighbor, follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. An old proverb sums it, sums it up this way. Listen, listen. He who knows not and knows not, he knows not, he's a fool. Shun him. He who knows not and knows he knows not, he's simple. Teach him. He who knows and knows not, he knows he is asleep. Wake him. He who knows and knows, he knows. Did you get it? He who knows, knows he knows. He is wise. Follow him. Follow Jesus. Honor the truth as it is in the word. Run to Jesus and understand that Jesus is and must be our number one priority. J.C. Dugard story I came across recently at 11 years was kidnapped from her home mentally marred emotionally scarred psychologically traumatized in the backyard where she was held captive for 18 years and uh, she escaped after 18 years and for those 18 years, there was someone praying that she would come home. Oh, you don't, are you feeling it? 18 years of praying? Whoa. That somehow God would make a miracle and that she would come home. Remember I said she was kidnapped at 11 years. Now, something about her story, other than what I said about the miracle, about her story moved me. She reportedly developed an affection for her captors while in captivity. Now, this behavior psychologist refers to as Stockholm Syndrome. Never heard of it. Stockholm Syndrome occurs when a person is held by powerful captors. Victims side with or ally themselves with their captors because they fear death. And one defense mechanism is for the person held hostage to imagine that their captor is on their side. 
I said, what? You have me locked up for 18 years and I start liking you for it? But, but it's strange, but, but you know, it's real. And then I thought to myself, oh, a light went off. Maybe, 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 some people are having a little compassion for the devil. Feeling sorry for him. That he was kicked out of heaven. Are you sorry for him? Are you feeling a little compassion for him? <laughs> but the way sometimes we act, we act as though, yes, we're sorry for him. And that he's not the one guilty for the mess we're in. The devil's plan was to plunge us so deep into darkness beyond recognition that we would be hopeless and then crown him savior. The first terrorist wanted to hold us hostage. But thank God, a lamb was slain from the foundation of the world. Hope is on the way. From Gethsemane, Jesus would go to the cross, receive the weight of the world, the Gethsemane of, of sins, of our sins, blood crushed from his body, running down the cross to the world below. But he would rise again. And the song says, ain't no power on earth can keep him down. I confess, there are some things I don't know. Some things, there are a lot of things I don't know. I don't know how this saving faith to me he did impart, nor how believing in his word created peace within my heart. I don't know. I know not how the Spirit moves, convincing us of sin, revealing Jesus through the Word, creating faith in Him. I don't know. I know not when my Lord may come, at night or noonday fair, nor if I walk the veil with Him or meet Him in the air. I don't know. But I know whom I believed. And I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. I know how the story ends. I know. Jesus knows. Psalm 103.14 says, For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Praise God. The psalmist goes on to say, the Lord knows the days of the upright and their inheritance shall be forever. In your pathway, have you found some cruel thorns? Jesus bore them on his bro and he knows. Are you weary with the toils and cares of life? Jesus labored night and day, and he knows. Are you tempted with the world so rich? Jesus once was tempted too, and he knows. Has the hand of death your eyes bedimmed with tears? Jesus wept for one he loved, 
and he knows. Have your friends forsaken, spurned you from their door? So did your blessed Lord, and he knows. Jesus knows. Yes, he knows. He was weary, worn, and tried. Bored are many sins beside. Hungry, thirsty, crucified. And he knows. If anybody knows, it is Jesus. Laid all out there before him. Jesus, Jesus knows. You're here today. And maybe you have had to make some strong, tough decisions in your life. Perhaps you need God's guidance and his all-wise counsel on your plans. Perhaps you have lost your first love. Jesus knows. You won't be the first, but you want to say today, Lord, renew my pledge to you. I want to share my love for you, Lord. Won't you stand with me at this time? I wish you to know today that while we are out here in Las Vegas, my youth, I wish you to know that Jesus knows. He has been tempted more than what you have been tempted. And here's how. We have never experienced what all power means. You have never experienced what it is to allow people you have created. People you have made with your own hands are caused to be in existence. And then you knew them before they were even created. And to allow them to put you on a cruel cross. To put stakes, rusty stakes, nails in your hands and watch you bleed to death. No, that's temptation. If you had an ounce of his power, you would let these proud human beings treat you so cold? Would you? I, I, I don't know if I would. And I have the power to make new people. And I have the power to wipe out their minds. Delete. Click. Format the hard drive. And make me some new people. People who would obey me and do what I say. And love me. Because I feed you and I take care of you. And then have them praise me too. Put that in there. Praise me. Because I made you. Why not? I deserve it. But he didn't do it. And that's something I don't know. I could tell you it's love. It's love. Of course it's love. 
But really, really, that's a question I would like to, if I get close to Jesus, you know, I would like to ask Jesus, no, really, why did you let those people do that to you? And he probably would say, well, Russ, I had to. I had to. It's deeper than you'd ever imagine. And perhaps I will spend all of eternity trying to understand, trying to grapple with this thing, trying to get a hole, wrap it around my mind, and still can't figure out why not just wipe them out and make some new people. That's what I would do. Yeah, that's what I would do. Hold me. Abuse me. No, wipe you out. Take you out right now. Vaporize them. Do something. But did he do that? No. And that tells me. That tells me my Jesus loves me. I don't know about you. But I know Jesus loves me. And I'm not trying to say this because it sounds nice. But if I were the only one, I know he would still come here and do this. I'm wondering right now, I know there are people here that you are struggling with some things. I didn't talk to you, but I know you are. And I'm wondering if you... My first appeal, I don't want to be mistaken. First appeal. You came here today. You thought about it. You questioned yourself, why should I go? But somehow you're here today. And being here today, you've said to yourself, this is the place. And you feel that somehow the Holy Spirit is drawing you, calling you. I invite you to come down here to the front so I can pray with you. If you are here and you'd like prayer, you'd like me to wrestle in prayer with you, come to the front. We got a whole bench here. Amen. Amen. Is there someone else? Now you know what you're going through, you know. I don't want you to mistake what I'm asking you to do. You know, this is not re I want you to come down here because you know, you know what you know. Amen. Amen. Jesus knows your heart and he knows that this is not a show. No matter what people think or look at or considering, who cares? You're here because you know what Jesus has done for you. And that's why you're here. 
not calling you to be baptized. I'm calling you to make a commitment to Jesus. That's what I'm calling you for. And I know sometimes you, you get caught up in the emotional, you know, oozy love you, feeling, you know. I understand that. But Jesus knows your heart. Jesus knows your heart. He knows what's going on in your head. And you know what? If you don't come down, it's between you and Jesus. <laughs> it's not me. You and him. You and him talk that out. Judas knew. He met with him. He didn't meet with a preacher, Judas. He didn't meet with someone who knew Jesus. Judas met on a regular basis with Jesus and lost his soul. So I'm going to pray right now. I'm going to pray. But if there's anyone while I'm praying want to come down and make a stand for Jesus, Feel free to come down and say, Jesus, you know my business. You know where I am. And I don't like where I am. I want a different territory. I want to make a different step. I want to look a different way. I want to be transformed. I don't want to play anymore. You know how weak I am. But I'm coming, Lord. I'm coming. Because I know you're going to do it. Father, thank you for those who came. It's youth day, oh God. And Lord, I pray, you know I pray for our youth of abundant life. And I pray for those in this valley, Las Vegas. I know they're tempted like probably ten times more than other youth. I know. But Father, Jesus, Jesus, you know that there is victory. There's victory in your name. There's power in your blood. And your blood was not shed in vain. So I'm, I want to pray first of all, especially for the youth of abundant life. We have seen them grow up before our eyes and somehow they're snatched from our hands father the ones that are here please i plead that you may put your arms around them oh god and that they may allow you to do it be with those who came They got a thing going on with you, Jesus. And they know what they need. Give it to them. Give them the power they need. The transform transformation that they need to be changed. To look more like you, Jesus. That's the plan. And Father, maybe someone out there didn't, didn't have the courage to come today. 
but maybe they want to scratch it on that on, on the bulletin on the side of the bulletin page and say Lord I want to be a part of those down there but but I felt a little weak in the knees but Lord you know my mind you know my heart and I want to be in your kingdom when you come give them that courage to do it so father thank you thank you for your word and may no one on the under the sound of my voice may suffer the f-a-t-e of Judas but everyone oh God may have the f-a-i-t-h faith of Peter to come home thank you Jesus for what you have done now continue to do it for them I pray it in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Let the church say, Amen. Please be seated.